welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel. And this week I wanted to talk about the psoas, but I didn't want to really cover too much of the material that I think most people know about the psoas already. Um, I will just mention that that's uh, its role in low back pain and uh, being able to inhibit the glute max. Uh, short, most of us have some psoas shortening just because we sit a lot um, and the psoas stays short a long time. And if you're a side sleeper, then you're keeping your psoas short at night as well. So there's very little time during your day um, that your psoas is, is stretched to full length. That would just be basically when you're standing or walking. Um, the psoas attaches to the front of the lumbar spine and then goes down through the pelvis right over the iliacus and then down attaches on the lesser trochanter of the femur. Um, so the thing I wanted to talk about was how frequently you will find um, that the QL, the quadratus lumborum, is tight when the psoas is tight. And I wanted to talk a little bit about why that is um, and also some other things to consider. The, um, the psoas, if you imagine, if you look at the spine from the side and you see the psoas attached to the front of L1 through 5 and then you see the QL attached to the back of the spine, one through five, um, you can uh, envision how the psoas and the QL would, um, when contracting at the same time, would stabilize the spine. And if there's uh, some shear force, shearing force to the front or to the back, they would actually uh, tighten up to stabilize against the shear. So um, what does that mean? Um, if, if you have someone who's doing like a deadlift and they're engaging their whole posterior chain to do the deadlift, that, that's a shear force that's pulling on the back of the spine, pulling back um, against the lordosis, the normal lordosis of the spine. And the psoas being on the front of the spine will then tighten to stabilize the spine so that you're not going to pull your vertebrae out of alignment, um, damage your spinal cord. So if you've ever wondered why someone lifting heavy doing a deadlift and sometimes a squat will injure their psoas, it's, it's very likely because of that um, protective mechanism of, against sheer force pulling the spine too far forward or too far backward. So the QL 
and the psoas have that relationship together. And if you're dealing with someone with low back pain, very likely both will be tight. Um, I saw a YouTube video not, not long ago with a physical therapist talking about sheer force. And he was saying that if, uh, if your patient has pain around the PSIS and a lot of tension in the low back, it could be a protective tightening against a shear force from the front and that he was advising don't just go releasing things because they're tight because that low back tension could be protective for the patient and I just want to mention that to say that is a lot of BS tight muscles are not stabilizing you Tight muscles are not strong. So while he's correct, it could be a protective tightening because of sheer force from the front, like the psoas being super tight, pulling the spine forward, especially when they're standing and walking. The tension in their QL, spinal erectors, and glutes is not protective. It, that, is not, that is not helping them stabilize. A tight muscle is short. It does not have potential energy to contract and do anything um, that requires strength. So I completely disagree. If you find tight muscles that you believe are correcting or stabilizing for an antagonist group of muscles, you just have to treat both, get both groups back to their normal length and strength. You don't just say, oh, well, those muscles are tight, and that's helping you. No, they are not helping you. I had a patient who was a nurse, and that was one of her concerns once. I was telling her how her deep rotators were overworking to stabilize her SI joint. She had all sorts of SI pain. and But she was nervous about me releasing those tight rotators. She said, what if that's the only thing protecting me? And what if I'm now going to be in horrible pain because my SI joint's unstable? And I, I had to explain to her, like, those tight muscles are not serving you. They're locking up your mobility, and they're not tight, and they're not strong. They're tight. Yes, they are attempting to stabilize your SI joint. They're not very successful, or you wouldn't be in pain. And if I release them, then they will be strong enough to actually stabilize your SI joint like they're attempting to do. And uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. Tight is weak. Tight muscles are weak. Short muscles are weak. When you're doing manual muscle testing, a muscle that tests weak is not necessarily neurologically inhibited it very likely is short and tight and a tight muscle will test weak. So when you're doing your manual muscle testing, a weak test is not always an inhibited muscle. If anything, it's over facilitated. And that's, that's the case in many, many, many situations. So, um, so I want to put that out there. Um, and let's talk a little bit about the psoas and how it's attached to the back of your spine where the diaphragm attaches to the back of your spine. The diaphragm and the psoas in cadaver 
dissection cannot be separated. Your breathing can be affected by the psoas. The tight psoas could actually affect the movement of your diaphragm and vice versa. If your if your um, diaphragm is not able to create good intra-abdominal pressure with your intercostals and your abdominals, your psoas may get involved. Um, this is something you see um, if you if you're familiar with DNS um, through the uh, pa um, Pavel Kolar from Prague School of Rehabilitation, the same as uh, Yanda and Levitt, but but Kolar is contemporary to us. He does a lot of work um, with um, breathing and um, compensation patterns from poor breathing. Normal breathing should be expansion outward at the with the ribs. And our compensate compensation. I'm just oversimplifying oversimplifying here, but our compensation for breathing is more vertical. Like your ribs, your sternum is going up. Your um, your neck muscles may be working too hard, and so then you're narrowing the space between the clavicle and the ribs. Um, vertical breathing is a compensation for basically weak core, weak abs, um, possibly multifidus, and so as not stabilizing, not helping to stabilize. Diaphragm needs to be strong. So, um, so the gist of this is that um, Kolar says that one of the most common breathing compensations that we'll see for, for people who breathe in a more vertical way will be... Um, to, you'll see them take a breath, and at the same time, they're extending their low back, their lumbar area, like um, increasing the lordosis of the low back. They're using um, low back extensors to help them breathe, and part of that is the psoas helping to breathe um, because, they're, because they're not stabilizing properly with, um, with the abdominals. So a tight psoas can be part of that breathing um, compensation pattern. And you can imagine that the QL, which we know is an accessory breathing muscle, it's attached to the low, lower ribs, the 12th rib. Um, it's helpful for exhalation. And then the breathing pattern dysfunction on inhale, on the inhalation, would be the psoas. So the psoas and the QL again have um, sort of agonist antagonist sorts of um, relationship um, because you can imagine if your QL is tight, it's pulling down on your twelfth rib. And what do we need to breathe? We need our ribs to be able to expand and rise a bit. The 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 ribs are like hoops at an angle, and when we breathe in. They need to be able to expand and rise. And if the QL is pulling down on the 12th rib, then that's going to cause a dysfunctional movement pattern for breathing. Um, so you have that QL and psoas working to, um, 
to help breathe, the QL is, when functioning properly, is actually meant to help with exhale. Um, so as, not so much, not I think so as really should not be helping too much with breathing. Um, I do believe that when you're doing exercise and you're creating intra-abdominal pressure in order to stabilize your core, stabilize the spine, um, the pelvic floor needs to engage, the, the diaphragm gets engaged. I do believe then the psoas has a role to play in spine spinal stabilization and because it is fighting the shearing force from the posterior chain. Um, but beyond that, um, the psoas is not meant to be an accessory breathing muscle. We just know from Kolar's uh, work, and I believe, I'm not sure, because I haven't studied Postural um, Restoration Institute, like PRI, um, I have not studied their methodologies, but I'm guessing that they see so as um, getting involved in dysfunctional breathing as well. Um, I do know that when people do some of the PRI exercises, that it improves their hip mobility, and I'm guessing that's via the psoas for the most part, um, because the tight psoas will pull on the lesser trochanter, um, kind of pushing the hip into external rotation. So your internal rotation um, would be inhibited by a tight psoas, and if proper breathing is restored and the psoas is relaxed, then your internal rotation, your hip internal rotation should be improved. Um, so those are, those are the main things that I wanted to talk about uh, with the psoas. You'll see the psoas getting injured on, uh, from people who are doing lifts, like deadlifts and squats. And so really, we need to think not just about the psoas, but then the, the extensors, the spinal erectors, and the QL um, as you know, agonist-antagonist relationship. And also think about if you have someone whose psoas is constantly getting tight and you have no, no explanation for it, um, perhaps it's a breathing compensation. So you just want to be able to watch them, um, watch them in a seated position and how they breathe. And if they have to use some lumbar extension in order to take a good breath in, then you know there's a compensation pattern going on. The, the abs are not firing strong. Um, Pavel Kolar uh, mentions that the external obliques are a punctum fixum. That's like a fixed point as a lever um, of, uh, to create leverage. For, for proper breathing. So when, you're, when your ribs are expanding, your external obliques, abdominals, should help maintain that pressure. And if they're weak, your rib, your rib cage will, will ride up like uh, the uh, vertical breathing I'm talking about. So the external obliques need to be strong to create that um, leverage or proper um, breathing, and the diaphragm should then be coming down. And I, I remember from, from the course that I um, was doing of his that it showed the, 
the different way that the diaphragm will expand if you don't have the strong external obliques and it was basically pulling away from the back it wasn't it wasn't completely able to compress down for an inhale so that's when the uh, spinal erectors and the psoas had to get involved to help that that breathing so it's just something to look at um, you might want to look into breathing um, mechanics look at um, dana santis on youtube her last name is s-a-n-t-a-s she's excellent at teaching um, proper breathing after having studied PRI, she works with a lot of pro athletes and she is able to break things down to make them accessible. Uh, for those of us who have not taken PRI, um, she, she'll show you how to breathe. Look for her YouTube videos. Um, the Breathing Bridge, I believe, is the video that, that I'm thinking of. Um, it's really good to learn better about breathing mechanics because when you're dealing with chronic pain, you're most likely running into something like that um, where something about how they're breathing is engaging something like the psoas and um, perpetuating an issue with like low back pain, postural issues. Um, it could be a hip issue as well. Um, I guess that's the, uh, the gist of what I wanted to cover today. I just say um, pay attention when you're seeing a lot of tight QL and you have no explanation, check the psoas and vice versa. If you, if you know the person has a psoas issue and, um, they're, and they're not getting better, make sure, make sure the QL and the psoas have a good relationship. The, the QL is released and look at their breathing. Um, consider treating their abdominals, internal, external obliques, transverse abdominals, um, improve their core stabilization so that they don't need to use an adapted breathing pattern, um, a dysfunctional breathing pattern, uh, in order to stabilize. Um, I guess, yeah, so that's that's it for today. Um, I hope you got something out of it. Um, feel free to be in touch. I'm on Instagram at Rich Hazel, and my email is rich at richhazel.com. And that's it. Uh, have a great week, and I will talk to you soon.